Get away from her, you bitch! Hello, and welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror, film, and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls and your podcast host. Over the next few months, we'll be tracing the lineage of female monsters in horror cinema. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a monster movie or two. Today, we're tackling a stone-cold classic, one of the very few sequels that arguably surpassed the original, a film that is revered by both sci-fi and horror fans. I'm talking, of course, about Aliens, the James Cameron-directed sequel to the seminal sci-fi horror film Alien. If you need a refresher on the plot, Aliens picks up the story of Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. After floating in space for 57 years, Ripley's shuttle is found by a deep space salvage team, and she's sent back to the planet LV-426 to establish contact with the terraforming colony. Once there, she encounters the alien queen and her offspring and has to fight them off to survive. I'm joined in this episode by film critic and podcast regular Rihanna Dillon in revisiting the film. We go deep on the dynamics of the crew, on the incomparable Alan Ripley, Vasquez, themes of motherhood, and of course, the alien queen. As a warning, we go into quite a lot of detail on the film from very early on in the episode, so if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, um, rectify that immediately. But after that, come back to the episode and enjoy the discussion. If you're not fussed about spoilers, then stick around and maybe that'll encourage you to revisit the film. And also, this episode does get a bit sweary, so I wouldn't recommend putting this on loudspeakers wherever you're listening to it. If you're cool with that, enjoy the discussion about aliens. Hi, Rihanna. Hi, Anna. <laughs> I don't know why I did that voice, but it's just really nice to speak to you again. It's been a while. It has been. This is great. It's really fun. I always like chatting to you. Oh, thank you. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> That's bollocks. That's absolute bollocks. They say it all the time. <laughs> so we're going to chat about aliens, mm-hmm. which I got a tip that that was one of the few horror films that you enjoyed. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. Yeah. I me. Nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there! They cut the power. How could they cut the power, man? They're animals. 
There's movement all over the place. Five meters, man. Four. Aliens. This time, it's war. I really love Alien and Aliens. I really do. Mm. Like, there is just something about those films. I think because sci-fi horror is one of my favourite genres. Like, The Thing is just Mm -hmm. up there for me. It's just one of the best films ever made. Um, Along with Alien and Aliens. So... It, but also I've realised I hadn't watched Aliens for a number of years, like maybe like five years. Um, so revisiting it was really fun and really fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your relationship with the film before and kind of has your opinion changed of it on the rewatch just for this? So I got into um, these films quite late on actually and I hadn't really properly seen them again because I thought I'd be too frightened um, because I am so like wimpish when it comes to horror so i actually saw it like one of those all-nighters at the pcc at the prince charles cinema so i saw alien aliens back to back um at like you know whatever time it started like you know didn't get out there till like three or something yeah and it was actually a really good place to watch it it was like the it was you're you're with a really great audience who love the films and um the atmosphere was fantastic and it was just a treat to see these films in the cinema when obviously you know otherwise I wouldn't have had a chance so yeah I really loved that but it did mean that I've, I don't think I've ever seen the director's cut before mm-hmm. um so I was watching it this time on one of Mike's DVDs because he had like the quadrilogy and um uh, yeah and you could make a choice between theatrical or directors and I knew we were doing directors and it'd be mm. I was quite intrigued to see what James Cameron like allowed to be cut out of his film um so yeah it was it was really fun revisiting it and it was great I just think it's such a brilliant action film as well and when the jumps come they are so like well earned by that point and you've kind of really built up an affinity obviously obviously you have this incredible relationship with Ripley already Mm. thanks to Alien but then like the rest of the team they're so kind of I mean, perhaps more stereotypically, but just so defined. And so you have your own relationship with every single one of them Hmm. by the time they meet the aliens, which is quite clever. We're going to be talking specifically about the director's cut. Uh And there's quite a few significant scenes that were cut out of the theatrical version that made it onto the 1990. They call it on the Blu-ray, they call it a special edition. Mm, Yeah. It's the director's cut, basically. Yeah. Um, So what are the key differences between the two versions that stood out to you so bearing in mind it was a long time probably since i've seen uh, aliens a theatrical cut um but there was that whole section where they sort of so a lot of it is world building so it's that section um that really stood out to me that i definitely hadn't seen before where um you sort of see like newt's family and they're sort of driving underneath um the ship the alien ship Mm -hmm. and that really kind of I don't know it it added quite a lot for me actually but then later on in the film I kept being like oh I don't recognize this bit but it was all like these little fragments and I can't really remember you might have to guide me Mm. on this um but that initial bit just seeing a bit of like the colony um Mm. I think was actually it was and totally understand why it was cut but it was really exciting to see it Mm. Yeah, and the thing that stood out to me, which 
which I didn't realize was originally a deleted scene. So I figure I must have seen the spe- the director's version, the director's cut mm-hmm. originally, and just mm-hmm. didn't know that it was a director's cut. Right, right. Uh, but once I was reading, after rewatching the film about uh, the film and the differences between them, apparently the scene with Burke and Ripley, when he is explaining to her what's happened to her while she was in status, uh, it is revealed that she had a daughter mm-hmm. that was 11 years old when she was on the Nostromo and grew up and grew to old age and died while Ripley was asleep, Mm -hmm. essentially. And that was a deleted scene, but I remembered very clearly from the first uh, couple times that I watched Aliens. Mm -hmm. So I must have seen the extended version already. Yeah. But I think like that's such an important scene for the themes in the film and for Ripley as a character. It's so important, especially when you see her reaction to the way that she acts around Newt later on. Um, And there's like one specific bit where um, Newt is like falling and like Ripley is trying so hard to get her. And just that moment, you just know that she's just seeing her daughter and just not Mm. and trying so hard not to let her daughter slip through her fingers again. So it just feels like quite a bizarre omission to have from the original um, theatrical cut. Because there, I think that is... I think it's you need that empathy as well mm. and you need to have the emotional response to Ripley because you kind of strip away all that and you know you could see her as being quite cold I mean she isn't at all but you know if you you took away that fr- at the very beginning um mm. you need to have that connection with her on a very human level it's kind of like that being interstellar as well isn't it which they kind of riff off with Jessica Chastain and Matthew McConaughey and uh her aging while he's away and that is is very devastating that the whole idea of a childhood sort of disappearing while you're in space it's quite a scary upsetting thought yeah so so let's chat a little bit about ripley who's probably one of the greatest female characters 100 percent ever we already she's the only survivor you know with jonesy the cat jonesy your fave yes (laughs) from the Nostromo and mm-hmm. the first good chunk of the film delves a lot into her post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and how she deals with essentially being the sole survivor of that alien massacre so what do you make of the way that they evolve the character of Ripley in the sequel I think because you see her as you say it's such a incredibly strong um action hero in the first film and it's and it's so it does feel very standalone and you don't even sort of think about um their backgrounds where they've come from their lives really before you know this trip in this disastrous trip into space happened and so that was really interesting to see how it opens up then into her being a mother and then suddenly a grieving mother and then also a, a, a woman who has lost all of ha- her friends, everyone that she knew probably from that period. The fact that she never goes back to Earth um, and she just stays, you know, and picks up a, a like a loader job, which obviously comes in handy later on. Um, but the fact that she doesn't have that those roots to return to because they've all been obliterated but but just by time more than anything else lends lends so much to her um character just makes her human and whole and i think it's really great because we don't often get the chance to have that um what's the word like a extension of a character Mm. 
and where you know we were all in love with her anyway from you know everything that she does in the first film but then with the second one and just seeing so much more of her how important her logic is and Mm. all the, the empathy that she has and the fear and also the fact that she is so terrified I think is really important because you know how some a lot of the sometimes these films can sort of be a bit like they're not terrified they just want to go back and they want to keep fighting because that's all they know by this point and she does not want to do that because she you know rightfully knows the 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 fear that comes from these creatures and the damage that they can inflict so um i think that james cameron does a really great job with um building on ripley's character and not at all Mm. changing it but just enhancing her yeah it's so rare that we get to see especially in kind of these sequels to horror films or in this case kind of Mm sci-fi horror films the aftermath the psychological and emotional aftermath yeah Um, i instantly think of scream 2 as another good example where we see sort of the final girl go through the ptsd that comes with surviving an ordeal like that Mm -hmm. although here obviously it's set in a very dirty future mm-hmm. and there's aliens and spaceships and giant corporations involved and not just the university campus mm-hmm. um so one of the things that really stood out to me as well that was i think gives it a layer of of sinister world building as well that you were touching upon earlier is the the idea of this corporation who is behind not behind but is ultimately kind of the the real villain mm-hmm. um as opposed to the alien or the alien mm-hmm. or the alien queen and it because they're trying to manipulate ripley and manipulate the situation in order you know like she says for a percentage mm-hmm. in the film so kind of what did you what did you make of the character specifically of Burke? Burke, oh god, so Such interesting! Oh my god, and I remember that reveal when the first time I watched yes. it. I remember it so clearly, and I was so angry because <laughs> it was just like, how dare you? How dare you put our Ripley through this again just to like bring one of these creatures back? What the fuck is wrong with you? And that whole idea of capitalism <laughs> and you know capitalism being so evil and these kind mm. of corporations. And I know that um. Cameron was sort of like inspired by like the East India Trading Company and like these like mm. the ideas of these um like western companies going and colonizing other areas mm. and but just to sort of mine from them stuff it was all mm. about it was nothing to do with you know letting these settlers go and have a life it was about mining what they could find and how they could reap the rewards and monetize it monetize the fucking aliens i mean that's crazy <laughs> and so the fact that ripley is so just calls him out on that straight away and that moment when she's like that moment when he turns off the cctv yes. and you know 100% because before he's been very you know his sort of insidious nature does definitely come through but that's the first time when you realize that he actually wants her to die because yeah. that is that is a easier option than her fighting him all the way about bringing an alien back mm-hmm. um willing to sacrifice her and newt um so of course that and i again i love that immediately she says it was burke he did this and immediately Mm. they all believe her and i think that's really important as well there isn't you know in a lot of these cases there's this back and forth about Mm -hmm. this oh god this it was this guy no we don't believe you because how could they like they do with ian home almost in the first Mm. one 
and it's just very satisfying that this team gets it because they're not part of this evil corporation i want to talk about the team in a bit but first to your point which is excellent because it's such a contrast to an earlier scene at the beginning of the film where Ripley is explaining what happened in Nostromo to this basically boardroom full of men in suits Mm -hmm. and they're all a bit like you know that that phrase where it's like well we're sorry you read the situation that way yeah but it's not really what happened is Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and and like you say when she lays out the what what's happening with Burke and what he's actually doing and scheming the crew instantly believe her mm-hmm. they're like yeah fuck this guy yeah absolutely <laughs> let's kill him <laughs> yeah <laughs> rightly so <laughs> yeah you're right that sort of that that spectrum and it's quite funny because in between that then you have the team who um when she's telling them about the aliens and you're expecting perhaps a similar response like mm-hmm. the boardroom guys but actually their response is just like okay but where are they and how do we kill them like yes. enough enough of this chat like <laughs> they like yeah because they're marines they're like space marines they're not yeah. scientists they no. don't give a shit about you know the potential capitalization of the aliens they're like no it's weird it kills us yeah let's kill it first vasquez literally like lines up like a pretend shot and that's just her only reaction because that's the only thing that she can kind of fathom is just kill 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 um and she doesn't care about like the emotional um like trauma that they inflicted on ripley she doesn't care about Mm. like you said about the money it is they're they're very they start off with these quite sort of like two-dimensional characters and then Mm. obviously it kind of builds from there so picking up on that what do you make of the um, the new team that we encounter because they're the difference there compared to alien is that that's not a an established crew Mm -hmm. ripley is very much kind of the outsider who's joining them and i'm not correct me if i'm wrong but i'm she they don't really know what she'd been through with the aliens right so she's just this this random sort of consultant that, they say yeah, she's a consultant that, yeah that the corporation has forced on them mm. so what do you make kind of of the dynamic between them because i think it's very it's very interesting like it's very macho and anti-macho at the same time there is there are so many different dynamics going on on there like all these little um sort of pairings and partnerships and like that the kind of classic like you say marine um machismo of like calling everyone by like women's names and and vasquez has to be incredibly butch herself to try and almost like keep up with them like she she's almost like the stereotype of a female soldier um because she's like starts you know she's not exercising as soon as they come out of the sleeping pods um another character says is it bill paxton is it private hudson who says it to is, her yeah. like have you ever been mistaken for a man and she's like no have you and then i love that it's such a good like <laughs> such a good so quick um and then another one um mm. like high fives her and they obviously have some sort of like friendship or relationship it's never quite explicit which like I don't think it is a sexual relationship, but they have like I a think real pals. Yeah, they have a really good bond. Um, yeah. So just all these kind of little micro connections between them, and then um, like the sort of as you go higher up the rankings, seeing how the response to all of them. It isn't. They're all. They all do seem to be a little bit more on a par, I suppose. Like the hierarchy mm. isn't quite so clear to me. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I 
I kind of love their dynamic because it is very much like it's not scientific at all they're not scientists they're not there for research they're kind of like space cowboys they've got mm-hmm. a real it, it reminded me a lot of sort of army training films mm-hmm. of that vibe and i love vasquez mm-hmm. i'd kind of forgotten just how quippy she is yeah and yeah. also just how amazing it is to see kind of ripley is also an incredible action hero but she you know the the big thing about Alien and Ellen Ripley was that she was written as a man and then they gender flipped the mm. the character, but they didn't change the character. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this film kind of really hones in on her identity as a woman in that mm-hmm. space. And Vasquez is really interesting because she is like a a masculine presenting woman, but she's, you know, she, she's a woman mm-hmm. and she's extremely ripped and super strong mm-hmm. and like very kind of, you know loves a fight mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. loves a fight and she's gonna take no shit she normally wins I the fights doesn't she yeah 100 <laughs> percent. I, lo- I love this like there's there's a point where like she does a chest bump with one yeah. with the guy who yeah. is like her military buddy <laughs> and the way that she puts down bill paxton's character as well it's still and i think that's like incredibly powerful to see on a screen you know when yeah. she dies a heroic death at no point does she bulk Mm -hmm. she's not whimpering at all she's not trying to prove herself she just is that hardcore yeah i mean she is problematic because it's basically a a white actress playing a latina character i didn't realize Um, this until (laughs) i just looked it up and it's very bizarre like it it's so fucking weird it's really weird and i i also did not realize that when i watched it as a as a teen because i think i probably watched it dubbed so i didn't catch mm-hmm. the accents mm-hmm. or the, the way that she spoke but yeah i mean there's a lot of sort of uh latin stereotypes yeah in that role yeah that doesn't remove from the fact that Jeanette goldstein who who plays vasquez is kind of an incredible presence on screen yeah and she fully kind of owns every single scene that she's in. She was my favorite in the way oh, really? she fits into the dynamic with all of the, all of the guys and kind of ups the macho. Antics yeah. Well, she's like the most it. trigger happy because yeah. like even, you know, that scene where um, they make it so hilarious because they're like, Oh, by the way, you can't fire um, because obviously it's going to cause enormous explosion, which Ripley is the one who works that out. And yeah. uh, and everyone's like, oh, what? Oh, got it. Like, because they just, all they want to do is just, they're just bros that want to just shoot shit up. And then she does it anyway. <laughs> She's like the one that, and, um, and it is that thing where that sort of macho attitude actually is really detrimental to the operation because because she's firing bullets not only does it cause like explosions whatever but also like she's the really trigger happy one she is the one that is just like shooting off left right and center which obviously causes all these explosions but also creates this cacophony of noise which means that the um you know like all of the commands that are coming in from the ops room just aren't like no one can hear them and the, which means that they end up not falling back which is what they're being ordered to do and they end up dying themselves and so it is quite detriment like her sort mm. of that macho attitude is actually quite detrimental to the whole operation and not just hers like all of them mm. but it's quite interesting like what you were saying about how she is so hardcore and doesn't and doesn't have like a, a sort of i don't know frayed bone in her body and you compare that to somebody like 
you know private hudson bill paxton's character who you think is going to be because he's the most outwardly loud and in your face about everything mm. you sort of think he's going to be the tough guy and he so isn't <laughs> he's the one that's just like crying like every five minutes i mean fair play to him like i would be too but it's just so unexpected and it's a real like yeah like you say gender flip role reversal and also so funny oh he's hilarious <laughs> bill paxton r.o.p amazing actor has like the monopoly on being able to play these astounding douchebags in film and still be charismatic i know it's mad isn't it and i remember like the first time just being like oh i kind of wanted him to shut up a bit so i could it was a bit shrill (laughs) it's just like oh stop you're being so whiny and high-pitched i just want to listen to ripley oh my and then God. you know Rihanna, you kind of rewatch it with all I the think later. that's the first time in the history of any sort of um podcast or film criticism where the words shrill high-pitched i just want to sh- i just want you to shut up and listen to the other character have ever been used referring to a male character Man. well but it's so true with him because he's just he's just squealing all the time and you're like dude shut the fuck up we just want to hear like actually what people and they all tell him to shut up that's what i love they all feel that they're all telling him to shut the fuck up and get back in his box yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh it's and that's great and again i don't you know you've got to think a bit of that was deliberate um with having him as the sort of really panicky like like the least level-headed i think it was really important that that is his character and what do you think of hicks who is played by michael deal who is kind of like always a little bit has a little bit of a vibe with ripley but it's never developed into anything more which i've always been really grateful for like we don't need a love story (laughs) in aliens we really don't there's so much going on I know. I am so glad you asked that because Hicks, I do fucking love Hicks. <laughs> I am such a fan. But I'm also like, I am a hopeless romantic. And so the idea that um, him and Ripley have this spark, which of course, thank God, as you say, they never act on during this mm-hmm. film because that would be so inappropriate and unnecessary and weird um, <laughs> in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah. Um, it's much more realistic that they have a little bit of, you know, I don't know, eye fucking or whatever <laughs> instead of any like actual verbal like, yeah. stuff. Stay I mean, classy, Rihanna. Cl- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this really is a podcast of highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, stop it. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, basically, the only bit of actual flirting they do is revealing their real names to each other, their yes. first names to each other. Oh, so and I just think, <laughs> oh, my God, like that tension yeah. when he's just like, come back, Ellen. And you're like, Whoa! <laughs> like you don't need a sex scene. <laughs> like, just have that. Like, my name is Dwayne. And it's like, oh, mm. I mean unfortunate Unfortunate i know not great (laughs) sorry to all the duanes out there (laughs) i mean the only acceptable duane apologies to all the other duanes is duane the rock johnson everyone else and even that is pushing it i'll be honest (laughs) there will be no disrespecting of the rock on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, I'm I'm so with you on the fact that you know, I think I think having his presence because he is so he is like I guess you know he gets called a grunt by Burke, <laughs> and there is an element of that, but he is such a um, reassuring presence, and he is commanding, and he has a lot more. I don't know. He has like in, enough intelligence um, to absolutely like i don't that sounds really patronizing he has enough intelligence but he has enough intelligence to actually follow what ripley is saying Mm -hmm. he's not again he doesn't doubt her Mm -hmm. and that's not just a sort of because of their sexual tension because he absolutely respects what she does and just in the very beginning when she like she wants to help out and they're like well what can you do and she's like this and 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 i think from that moment he like laughs and and that's it. They're kind of away because he realizes that she's not. I think in a lot of these sorts of sci-fi films, like the consultant mm-hmm. is sort of incompetent, superfluous. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're incompetent, and and so I think immediately they sort of have this idea of what she might be like. And as soon as she upends that, um, she, she he's sort of like party in her hands a little bit, but in the in the in a in a professional way. Like he kind of gets that she can do anything. Um, and so that idea that he will essentially follow her to the ends of the earth to kind of do what she needs to do and to make sure that this alien doesn't get out mm-hmm. is really important because she, she's always calling the shots um, and, and the fact that he's happy to follow and does it with a lot of grace is I really love their relationship in this yeah I love him I think he's uh... I thought he died as well I did I was like died. I at the end I was just like oh my god he's still alive this is great <laughs> this is so exciting i honestly oh. thought that it was just like her and new and bishop mm-hmm. that just like flew off into the sunset i didn't even to be honest remember that she sort of salvaged bishop which is weird because he's mm. then kind of in the sequels but the chronology gets so weird that i, I was know. always a bit like oh just erase them um mm-hmm. from my memory but mm. yes i'm very happy that they kind of um all fly away and are saved yeah. for a bit yeah. for a bit at least well, we don't have to go into Alien no. 3, so... No, no one needs to do that. So in this, they're a little happy family. Yes. that's how we choose to end this episode. Forever. But <laughs> mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but picking up on that, um, one of the key central themes, which I think runs through the whole of the Alien franchise, but specifically is drilled down and explored on so many levels in aliens mm-hmm. in this film mm-hmm. is motherhood motherhood um, yeah so how what did you make of the way of the multiple ways there's no right answer to this what did you think of the <laughs> of the multiple ways and layers in which cameron explores the ideas of motherhood through ripley through her relationship with newt through the alien queen mm-hmm. and so many other things in the film there's i mean we've already touched on her being a grieving mother and that whole idea of having your child grow to be older than you which is so fucking weird obviously um and so that that is established really early on in the film uh, and then having and also seeing newt so early on mm-hmm. and have it which again i'd sort of forgotten that we see her this early on um i thought you just saw her for the first time when she um sort of comes out of that little tunnely bit um so the fact that you see her with her mother and father and then you have a motherless child and then a childless mother um from the beginning i think is really important so of course it was like these you know the plus and the minus the battery sort of like coming together Mm. to connect in some way um 
I think is they do that in a I mean yeah it's it's not at all subtle but it doesn't need to be and I think the fact that they're both grieving they both naturally are drawn to each other Mm. and the real maternal instincts come out in in Ripley much more than any of like the other men for example they don't particularly have paternal instincts do they um and then with seeing like the alien queen and just the the eggs and that horrible like tubey gloopy thing is so just the idea that this is the creature that is spawning all of these horrendous aliens that have killed everyone that she knows and loves um yeah it's a really interesting thing to have a mother versus mother face off Mm. actually and quite unusual in this way oh it's so gross it's giving me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it just that scene where you realize that everything is all the eggs and they they kind of go back to that a lot in prometheus Mm -hmm. um but not nearly as well as that sort of reveal in this and also that reminder that they are grown and they're a family and they're not just i don't know it's weird like she has this alien has an instinct to create and she's actually devastated when her babies are destroyed and burned up and so much so that she gets vengeful which the fact that this kind of gives her another level of intelligence by being that motherly instinct by following ripley and hell-bent on destroying her more than anyone i just think it's fascinating and it hasn't been explored to that extent before it's like aliens are they don't have that same drive that humans do, but actually they do. Yeah. And the fact that they chose to gender the alien, because in the mm. in the first film, and you know, up until that point when we see the queen, it's like, well, mm. aliens are aliens. Like they're not human. That's mm-hmm. all we need to know. They're gonna kill us. Mm-hmm. It's pure mm-hmm. um survival instinct. But here, like you say, she's not only gendered as kind of a, a mother a female a queen um but then she has this level of intelligence and rec and recognition she recognizes what ripley is doing and she is going after newt to essentially take her revenge Mm -hmm. on her Mm -hmm. child you know this is a they're not newt is not her biological child but she is very much and throughout the course of the film their Mm mother-daughter bond is very clear and her kind of protective instinct towards newt goes to extremes so mm-hmm. when the alien queen just kind of pops out and in mm-hmm. kind of in the first ending when they think that they've made their escape and yes. absolutely yeah. literally <gasps> breaks bishop in half oh my god that's so upsetting oh, oh fuck that was so much and then you just it really was I, I don't know if i was projecting onto her but i did sort of just see the smirk on her face like she was just <laughs> going like i got you now bitch yeah 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 and very possibly mate very possibly <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of kind of the the design of the creature? Because that's such a big part of this franchise. Oh my God, the fact that it was so black. Mm. Like, I know that's weird, but just like the sort of, I, I, I'd always thought of it as being that sort of metallic-y, mm. shiny, um, again, like wet look kind of thing. And she looked so much more like, um, I don't know, some sort of like vampire bat. She almost had like these not quite wings but these things sort of sticking out of her shoulders yeah. like and she also had like 
uh, legs coming kind of from her, let's say, stomach area. So mm-hmm, she looked like, mm-hmm. like a spider almost. Yeah. Yes. She has everything, doesn't <laughs> she? Because she also has like the, the mouth within the mouth. Yeah. Um, which is so horrible. Oh God, that I was really like squ- screaming at the TV when um, <laughs> when Ripley's in the loader. <laughs> I was by myself in the flat and I was going, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> because it's just that has always creeped me out so much having the mouth within a mouth that just jumps out and you don't know ugh, it gets so close and it's so rank. Ugh, it's so disgusting. It's such a clever design because it's like, there's so much, um, there are a lot of like phallic, there's a lot of phallic imagery mm. in that in having like something like bursting forward, like unsheathed mm. um, and then coming out. But then also, of course, like you see vaginas everywhere in this <laughs> film. And especially like in just like the opening title with aliens. Yeah. And yeah. is it like, is it, and and you just see that, one of the letters like glowing open it just kind of starts opening ever so slightly and uh it does look like labia it's really Mm. strange and i know i'm not the first one to say that about aliens but it is just when you you kind of forget about it it becomes almost like a stereotype and then you watch it and you're like no no it's all there that imagery is all in there it was always an alien but it's Mm -hmm. very much emphasized and kind of put to the forefront i think they really take the creature's out of the shadows in this film Mm -hmm. and make it so much more explicit like we kind of you know if you're so inclined you can sort of pause and you know almost analyze all the design and uh, the this is not a sentence I was going to say but like all the vagina (laughs) shapes all around (laughs) the layer you know the the droopiness everywhere the design of the alien kind of the the droopiness droopiness. (laughs) the droopiness what are you saying about vaginas god <laughs> you can't say vagina and droopy in the same sentence i i preface this by saying this is not a sentence i expected to say today but you know you brought it up <laughs> there is like a very it is like a almost a grotesque alien version of yeah a, of a woman's anatomy Mm-hmm. Like to- but also the way that it, it builds up like you say because it's you see it in the walls and the mm, ceilings first yeah. of all so they're essentially in this sort of alien womb yeah. when they they're having that initial face off all of them um it's not just a layer it's literally made out of alien mm. they are the walls they are the ceiling um they are the floor because they you know they keep kind of treading on them all these bits and yes all these little but then their tails unfurling mm. that's very like masculine imagery um and that's like the threatening bit as soon as you see them unfurling and pushing their pointy bits towards them that's when you need to get worried <laughs> as bishop discovered um <laughs> maybe i'm reading too much into this now uh but yeah no it's it's really interesting but also i quite like the fact that in alien you do just have it in the shadows mm. i sort of almost prefer that with any horror mm. where you don't see it explicitly because i do think that oftentimes your imagination can do so much more damage than what you see on screen although although the image of the queen is so chilling Mm. but actually when you see and like when you see all them when um hicks like pushes up the ceiling when they realize that the aliens are above them and he shines a torch on that and you just see that split second and it's it's so great that you just see a glimpse and again if you pause Mm. fine but just that glimpse if you sort of saw them whole and you do see them more whole in this and a lot more of them so you can gauge them a bit more mm. i don't find that quite as 
chilling somehow. I don't know. Do you? What I actually find chilling is not the aliens when they're when they're kind of multitude, the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Let's call them like the the kid aliens, the teenage aliens, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. or even the the alien queen is terrifying. But what I find terrifying is the fact that she's intelligent the fact that she can plot and plan Mm. and Mm. can Mm -hmm. target someone specifically it's not just a killing machine which in a way kind Mm -hmm. of completely desensitizes you to them as a villain because you're like just kill it just kill it It, it's not it's not even almost a living creature it's just a thing that's just gonna attack you um when it's the slow movements that i find terrifying as opposed to the quick ones which is why when the queen kind of unfurls Mm -hmm. herself Mm -hmm and shows herself especially in that last confrontation i was like oh fuck it's because there's a certain level of almost of toying with her prey that i find really scary yes intimidation yeah like i like i enjoy jump scares as much as the next guy but what really terrifies me is kind of the slow tantalizing Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna get you but because i know that i'm stronger and more powerful than you i'm just gonna play with you a bit first like a cat that's playing with a mouse that he's about to kill yeah you're so right actually yeah that is incredibly frightening because it does show another level of intelligence i suppose you've seen that though you've got cats right you've got a cat so have you seen (laughs) so are you like really frightened that cat's gonna kill you doesn't play with with anything (laughs) I mean, you have you seen my cat? He's fucking huge. He can like 100% strangle me. That's so funny. Um, it's all about your fear of the cat, really. Nothing to do with an alien queen. Yeah, it is really interesting. But also, you know, when you have like them, like the mother, that going back to like the mm. mother thing when she's like, get away from yes. her, you bitch, that classic yes. line. Um, weirdly, I just only this time watching it and I was like, there's a bit in again didn't think i was going to talk about this in this podcast but there's a bit in harry potter in the seventh book where molly weasley um starts fighting yes! Bellatrix the i know exactly what you mean and uh, she's like leave her alone you bitch yes yeah you'll get yeah she says something like that and i was like oh my god did jk take that from aliens because it's this mother that's going towards this terrifying presence and she's trying to protect her daughter. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> Revelation time. <laughs> that's a great moment. And also, it's, it's, I think, the first moment as well where we see Ripley sort of acknowledge the alien queen mm-hmm. sort of equal status to agree of sort of a mother protecting her children. Yeah. And she's a mother protecting her child and Mm -hmm. this kind of head-to-head confrontation and you know it is you know a hard a hardened kind of space marine woman sort of decked out in this weird transformer like um Mm -hmm. metallic (laughs) suit protecting her child and killing a giant alien in in space so it's not exactly what we think of when you think of like two mothers battling each other to protect their kids but Mm. it's it's kind of it's mm-hmm. exactly that if you if you boil it down to that this is all a film about mothers protecting their children it just so happens mm-hmm. that one of them is a giant alien queen protecting her alien eggs mm-hmm. and the other one is a you know space marine protecting um, an orphan child that she found on an yeah. alien colony 
it really does invent the idea of motherhood, doesn't it? Because it's not, you know, <laughs> yeah. neither of them are, are traditional mothers, I suppose, in that sense. And yet they're sent, mm. but they're, um, that instinct that we were saying, that protective urge is like, it's just so much stronger than anything biological um, for um, Ripley. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter that Newt is not her biological child. She will die to save her over and over again yeah which i think is really strong really important that comes through is there anything that we haven't discussed that you wanted to talk about um try to remember i started off making notes and one of the the only bits that i've got is i've written she looks like george from the famous five So that went well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I basically was just like, she's got George's hair. She's like that tomboy um, look because, like, George. <laughs> hear me out. George from Famous Five always obviously wants to be one of the boys and is a tomboy and likes being thought of as a boy, and it feels like. Ellen Ripley is like reinventing the image of the tomboy because she's walking around, you know, in her vest and knickers and is quite flat chested and is quite, um, and has this short hair. But yet, you know, she is, she is the one who is the most, um, oh God, this is going to sound awful, but like the most female in terms of like her logic, because she is the cleverest person in the room. She is the one that makes all these connections that nobody else can. She's this incredible mother and, um, the, the fact that like her her femininity makes her this incredible like all-round action hero whereas you know at first she was she was already an incredible action hero but almost like as you say her gender was originally male so that didn't make a huge amount of difference whereas in this one as you said earlier it drills down and so it's kind of just reinventing the idea of what you perceive as femininity and what mm-hmm. makes somebody female and um yeah it, it kind of throws off i think up to what we'd seen up until then traditional ideas of femininity and the female it's mm. kind of what i meant by she looks like george from famous five that's a that's an amazing <laughs> point to make from that bold statement <laughs> <laughs> and to start kind of wrapping up what do you think has been the influence <laughs> on other female monsters on screen I probably don't know nearly as much about this because I've avoided so much horror um, over the years. So there is there are quite a few female monsters that I've never seen and never experienced. But one that does spring to mind is in Under the Skin. And I think that's a quite an interesting, I don't know, sort of merging of alien and female and the monstrous and mm. also, I don't know, the, the heroine, I the hero, because with Scarlett Johansson's weird alien person woman she's like the most you know one of the most stunning women Mm -hmm. in the world and yet she has that same thing of like she's like enticing these men she's like learnt how to use the feminine form um in a way of enticing Mm -hmm. people back to her lair and then if you look at like the alien queen you know it's not so much about hypnotizing or tricking people but just in that same like you were talking about like spider web way they 
kind of when they come into her lair they're never going to leave again Mm -hmm. they're trapped there forever and she uses them to spawn and um i guess with charlotte i guess with scarlett johansson she doesn't from what i remember she doesn't exactly like spawn but she you know that's how she feeds she feeds off them doesn't she these men that she enticed about and that Mm -hmm. because it's so gender specific under the skin because it is always these Mm -hmm. men that she brings back it sort of feels like a that vengeance that we were talking about it it almost does feel a bit like a vengeance movie like a sort of revenge you know you know there's a sort of rape revenge films that are quite specifically against men Mm -hmm. with a female um, antagonist and it sort of feels a bit like that even though obviously there is no rape in it but it's it does feel like a revenge film on the on the whole of the male population um so it's quite interesting to have that gendered idea of the 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 monster compared to alien the mm-hmm. queen alien queen but um apart from that i can't really think of anyone that's 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 a really great comparison and we'll be covering that film in depth on the later on in the series as well nice nice it is it's a really it wasn't my favorite film but it did something so interesting something i hadn't really ever seen before and the use of music in that is Mm. another level isn't it of sound design yeah 100 percent. yeah i can't wait to rewatch it i haven't seen it in a few years yeah me neither i don't think i really maybe i could watch it again actually there was just so much dread in it And again, you know, you're talking about that slow intent. The, that under the skin is all about the intent and about the the waiting. It's like a waiting game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time. Oh God, yeah, it's hypnotic. Thank you so much for your time and for your insight on Aliens and for rewatching it for the purposes of this. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed. That was such a treat. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, so where can people find out more about what you're doing online? If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Rihanna Dillon or um, you can catch my reviews, my film reviews and TV reviews every Monday morning on Six Music with Lauren Laverne from about 10.30. So yeah, do listen out for that. I can't promise there'll be loads of chat about monstrous women, but I will do my best. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for another episode of the Final Girls podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help a lot. And we really want to know what you think of the work we're doing so far. You can find out more about what we do on thefinalghost.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thefinalghost.uk. You can also follow Rihanna on Twitter at Rihanna Dillon. And I tweet a lot of memes and occasionally useful links on Anna Be Demented. Thank you for listening. And next week, we will be back with a double bill of Frankenstein-inspired horrors.